0: Thank you.
1: Welcome to the Billboard Chart Podcast, Gary Trust, Billboard's co-director of charts. And hey, guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. And this is where we look at why what's on the charts is on the charts. A uh, lot of stuff to get to this week, but uh, first, just want to uh, get to, we uh, brought this up last week on the podcast. We we have messages. So far, Trevor, our new Chart Podcast hotline, people are already calling for next week's uh, 100th episode uh, coming up next week of the podcast. We want you to be on it, the listener. I've already got a couple questions, so we're planning to uh, play back. And answer for next week,
2: yeah. So, hopefully, you guys uh, sat through that horrendous voicemail that we will actually be redoing. So, if you haven't heard the old voicemail, by the time this pocket comes out, it'll be like one of those secrets lost to history that only a few select group of people will have heard. But if you have not had the chance to call yet, uh, get those phones out, put us on pause, whatever you got to do for a second, uh, take down this number. Take down! Oh my God! My my and my operator, my dispatch Man,
1: it feels like we're doing a telethon here. Almost, hey, yeah.
2: We give away tote bags. Uh, t- two one two, four nine three, four zero two one. So that plays out as a two one two four nine three, forty two one. You said it the right way. Get it? Do you get forty to one? Gary made this up. If you couldn't tell like a countdown 40 to 1 so be sure to give us a call we'll be on the air next week for our 100th episode spectacular Uh, any questions you have um, about uh, either some things on the charts uh, the charts themselves how they work anything for us personally whatever you want to send put it in that voicemail Uh, we'll play uh, some of those on air next week and have a sort of quote unquote interactive episode
1: you forgot to say operators are standing by
2: Uh, Also standing by, we've got a couple great guests this week for you guys. Uh, First, an in-house specialty. Um, Maybe if some of you have have heard the the podcast Billboard did, has been doing. Yeah, we're
1: going to ask Andrew. uh,
2: Coming around again, Gary and I have been on there a couple of times. We're going to reverse course and bring the host of that, Andrew Untenberger. We're going to break down a song that uh, shows up this week. In the top 10 of the Billboard Hot 100 and talk about what this means for this particular artist and open that discussion to uh, some other artists who all have one sort of dubious distinction uh, on their resume that hopefully, you
1: know, in the next coming weeks, months, some of them may uh, may check off. Yeah, the the good thing about it is uh, if I look at it more positively, there have been other acts uh, even recently on this list who have then uh, hit a big honor on the Hot 100 and they're not on this list anymore. So maybe this act will be the next one to do that too. Uh, Our other guest, uh, this is is a little bit different, uh, Trevor. Uh, We'll get into more details about uh, how this interview, uh, it's going to close the podcast, uh, came up. But uh, we're going to talk to Bill Danoff. If you don't know the name, uh, he wrote a couple huge Hot 100 hits from the 1970s. Even if you're a younger listener born way after the 70s, you uh, probably know uh, these songs, John Denver's, Take Me Home Country Roads uh, and Starland Vocal Band's Afternoon Delight. We're going to talk to the writer of those uh, songs. So uh, we'll talk to Bill. I'll I'll explain why and how. uh, Interviewed Bill as well coming up uh, at the end of the podcast. So uh, that's all on the way this week. As always, let's get into this week's Top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100.
3: 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, this is what you call a flip. Tinky from a car to brick. Bentley from him, mama whip. KOD, he hard as shit. This is what you call a flip. Tinky from a car to brick. Bentley from him, mama whip. KOD, he hard as shit. Nine on one, Shelby Drive. Look alive. Number nine. Niggas came up on this side. Now they on the other side. Oh, Fuck them, dog, We gon' see how hard they ride I get racks to go outside My number one I don't need nothing on the side Number eight Said that I was done for good And don't want no more lies But my phone be blowing up Temptations on my line I stare at oh,
4: Number seven
0: Why don't you just meet me in the middle?
4: I'm losing my mind just a little
3: so why don't you just meet me? Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Number up, Count six. it up, count it up, count it. Count it up, count it. Count, it up count, it. count it up, count it. Can't take it when you die, but you can't live without it. Count it up, count it up. because i call mama Michael. can really trust nobody with all this jewelry on
4: you. My roof look like a nose, so got damaged by the bolo. Don't act like you my friend when I'm rolling through my hands.
0: Number so come on Ride with me, ride with me See where this thing goes So come on I'm of I wanna be in like all the time Ain't got no tears of the cry So I'm picking it
3: up, picking it God's plan God's plan Number two I hold back sometimes I won't I feel good sometimes I don't and that's down western road hey, oh, one. One in your nice i
2: understand okay so a lot of things happening on this week's chart uh and for once <laughs> they're not centered around drake uh
1: even Don't though he's for- number one and number two.
2: Yeah, yeah, right. Don't forget about Drake, of course, um, who you heard bringing up the tail end of that segment, meaning that he is sitting at the top of the chart once again. Uh, nice for what? Three weeks at number one now. Uh, right below that, more Drake, God's Plan, former number one. And uh, it's 14th week on the Hot 100 and has not been lower than number two. So uh, almost coming up on four months into that song's life just goes to show that 2018, even though we thought Drake might be away for a minute, you know, I mean, he's really ruled this first quarter, second quarter. We've got the album coming out in June. So this could be, I mean, every year is the year of Drake, but this could be the year
1: of Drake. And uh, those 14 weeks, uh, he's been at number one all 14 weeks because for the three weeks that God's plan has been down to number two, Dice for what? It's been at number one.
2: Now, if you're tired of us talking about Drake, because we've been doing that for the past 14 weeks, uh, you'll have a welcome potential challenger for number one, maybe in the next uh, coming month. uh, Ariana Grande is back in a big way with her new song, No Tears Left to Cry, which debuts at number three this week. Great debut for her. Uh, Only one other song in her catalog has debuted this high on the Hot 100. That was Problem back in 2014. We saw the damage that that song did. Ended up a number two hit. Uh, 16 weeks in the top 10. So obviously the Ariana stands are going to be looking at this. Maybe to repeat that success at least. And of course, could it do one better? Go all the way to the top of the chart? All right, now Ariana has the top debut of the week, uh, but somebody else has the most debuts of the week uh, in the top 10. A record-setting week for J. Cole, who debuts three songs in the top 10, the first time that any artist has ever stacked the top 10 with three new songs in the same week. Uh, Drake fans, of which there are many, will remember that Drake has done this twice before, and Ed Sheeran, actually the first person to do this, uh, when Shape of You and Castle on the Hill both debuted at the top of 2017. So, a huge week for J. Cole. We saw, obviously, the album also do massive numbers, uh, number one on the Billboard 200. I think, kind of spinning forward already, people will probably be eyeing Post Malone to probably duplicate this feat next week. We saw Post Malone uh, break J. Cole's barely week record for the highest uh, opening day on Spotify, uh, both worldwide and in the U.S. So, if we saw what that... Ended up meaning for J. Cole in the Hot 100. I'm sure people will already be looking for Post Malone to do it as well. Post Malone, of course, also in the top 10 this week, as you guys heard just now. Uh, Psycho with Ty Dollar signs still holding strong. Rockstar, of course, which number one hit eight weeks last year, also on this album. So, you know, already shaping up to be potentially the biggest streaming week ever for any album bigger than Drake. And so, uh, expect to see a lot of Post Malone on the Hot 100 next week. The question is, just how many and how
1: high? Yeah, so for this week, uh, Jay Cole, as you mentioned, Trevor, uh, three debuts in the top ten uh, never happened before. Uh, with Ariana debuting at number 3, that's four debuts in the top ten. That's never happened before. There'd been a couple of weeks uh, this decade where there'd been three debuts in the top ten, but uh, 40% of the top ten, brand new this week, for the first time ever.
0: Yeah, a lot of
2: things happening, you know, which is, which is kind of nice. With the past couple weeks, maybe a little... You know, I mean, it's obviously been all Drake and still is really all Drake, but nice to see some challengers shake up the uh, some of the closer rungs up there.
1: All right. So to uh, talk about this new uh, Ariana hit, uh, let's bring in Andrew Unterberger from uh, Billboard's edit department to discuss uh, where it fits in catalog. Just your opinion, uh, Andrew, of the song... Uh, can this uh, go to number one? So a uh, couple stories you wrote. Uh, the first one was just about how she came back with the song after Manchester. Uh, did she strike the right tone with uh, with the lyrics? Because uh, you sort of want to acknowledge what happened, but you want to be positive going forward. Uh, your opinion of the song, Andrew?
5: Yeah, I think it's a good song. Uh, the, it's funny. I talked to a number of people around the office, and it seems like they all kind of had the same like uh, evolving opinion. Was at first that they were, you know, it's not. Uh, like like uh, an instant home run, maybe the way a lot of people were expecting. Like a lot of people were expecting, kind of like like the the sequel to break free and to kind of even even like take it to like an, another level of just, just straight emotional catharsis and you know like disco just 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 hitting them right out the gate. Uh, it's not quite like that. Uh, it's it's a little bit more subdued, maybe. It's a little bit more emotionally tempered. Uh, the beat isn't quite as propulsive, maybe as you would have expected, uh, and and the um, emotional like uh, the emotional element of the song is definitely there, but it's a little bit less like anthemic, maybe than you would have expected. Uh, but uh, but as I wrote and as I, I still believe, uh, it's sort of the appropriate. Uh, note for her to, to, to be striking here. I think this is you know, the right tone, and that it isn't like a like if she, if she was to do an explicit sort of "I will survive" song, that might kind of cheapen uh, the incident, what happened, and the, you know, the fact that even though she was obviously at the center of it, she wasn't you know one of the she wasn't one of the victims. She she wasn't one of the victims' families. Right. So. Uh, she, she wants to kind of you know she doesn't want to make it all about her and I think this song did a good job of saying wow this, what, a, what a terrible thing that happened uh and you know we'll, we'll, we'll hopefully we'll all move on from it but I'm, I'm not gonna make this as if like this is my personal triumph over this tragedy it's just
1: this is a terrible thing that happened and now let's try to get over it if we can and musically it feels even a little experimental to me it feels like the hook is is sort of those those chords that kind of mm-hmm. propel the song and when she kind of comes in with, with the title. It's not uh, not like your typical chorus structure. It's an unpredictable song. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. And uh, I think it has a little bit of like
5: a, like an early 90s dance feel to it, uh, which isn't really the wave right now. So uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see how the song will do on radio because, yeah, it, the, the the melodic shifts in it sort of come out of nowhere and, and the rhythm of it isn't necessarily what you would hear on, on 2018 Top 40. So uh, I, I don't know. You know, you, you guys, I think we're talking a little bit earlier about how you, you could see this being like a big summer song. I don't really see it for this one. I, I think no? it's it's going to be a fan favorite, and it might have like kind of a long shelf life. But I don't see it really being summer jam type stuff. I I, I don't think it's going to be like, like I, don't, I don't think it's going to be in the song of the summer discussion. I think I think we'll be done hearing this on radio uh, in a, in a month or two. It's closer even to like like Lord's Greenlight from last year than most of the songs that you hear on radio now. I think it's a kind of song that. Uh, feels kind of uh, to, like to people who've been listening to the radio for a long time. It feels like a radio single, but it doesn't necessarily feel like a super up to the moment kind of radio single.
1: So, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Do you guys, you guys, disagree with that? Yeah, I just, I disagree. Okay. Hey, uh, part of it is uh, Laura didn't have the track record that Ariana sure. has at top forty, and but she, she has one thing that Ariana doesn't. Well, we're gonna get to that. All right, uh, but I'm just saying. <laughs> and, and,
5: and, <laughs> Trevor's scandalized by by me throwing down the gauntlet uh, between uh, between Lord and, and Ariana Grande right now. Um, yeah. When I first heard it, and even a couple times when I when I hear it, it it's
2: it's a little bit like left of of what I expected to come out. Especially when I guess reports surfaced that it was going to be Max Martin and Pharrell mm-hmm. and kind of the usual power players of of the past five years. Right. Um, and I don't know because. I guess I guess, especially in Ariana's case, you see, as we've mentioned several times, uh, what's happened to pop stars in the past fifteen months, and that you know when you come out with an expected expected pop song, uh, a lot of them went nowhere, and so you have to try something. I think left of center um, to be the case. I mean, will radio grab onto it? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think. I think for a lot of people, maybe the song had a better than expected start, and so maybe that will help push its fortunes up. Um, because Ariana Grande is not known to be a streaming powerhouse, not really known to, I guess, sell a whole ton to where you would expect a number three debut coming out of this. The last album also a little on, on you know, a yes. little bit on uneven ground. I right. mean, obviously, Dangerous Woman mm-hmm. was was a hit. Indie you wasn't quite as big a hit, and so you know, side to side is what really kind of saved Dangerous Woman. In that my was, opinion, that was ways into the rollout. No, and I mean, it, and it worked out, and I think this album. I think they're looking at this album as you know, it's got to be a, it's it's, it's got to be a hit. You know, I feel like, especially given what we saw with Katie and Gaga, and to some effects, even Taylor and everybody. You know, this this is not only a moment, a for her to save her career, but also if that sort of pop queen vacancy is open, mm-hmm. this can propel her. Even forward, even more.
5: Yeah, uh, I, I think that I think that Ariana is a little bit better suited to kind of adjust to the to the next era of of the pop charts and of, of streaming and and of, of pop music in general because she's been kind of she had kind of one foot in the hip hop world from the very beginning. You know, her first singles with you know Mac Miller. She's worked with Future and she's worked with Lil Wayne and and, and plenty of other rappers who are, you know a little bit more of the moment than some of the people that you know the, the Kelly Clarkson and lady Gaga's of the world we're working with and, and she's younger the weekend huge hit there. yeah sure of course and and his first his first really big pop hit yeah uh, so yeah so she she kind of feels like part of this generation more than some of those other people uh, but you know even you know we talking about this even Selena Gomez recently is, has kind of fallen on hard times and she also is, is a very young pop star who uh, who you know certainly seems like she's part of this generation and you're shaking your head Trevor I'm just not, I'm not I'm not shaking my head I just Charge just doesn't want to make any enemies on, I, on the Charpie podcast. Oh, of course not. No, no, no. Okay. I'm, I'm I'm neutral. And I like Selena Gomez and I liked her her last couple singles a, a great deal but the, the, the fact of the matter is that none of them peaked particularly high on the Hot 100 at least by her standards. And it was sort of weird. She, she had
1: a couple uh, experimental songs mm-hmm. in there with uh, with Fetish and uh, Bad Liar. Bad Liar. Sure. But you know that Even was, Wolves was kind of a weird song when you, when you get down get yeah, that. Yeah but that sort of felt to me like the follow up sonically to Innate Me which was a top 10 hit and Wolves was a top 10 pop radio hit so I feel like she's just put out so much product mm. that a couple have missed sure but a couple have been huge hits.
5: Yeah and I think that The the next song she does that connects uh, will you know it's not going to be like a a a story of uh, you know triumph after a long period out in the wilderness you know when she's back it'll seem like she never left right so that that's fine I think the same thing could very well be true of Ariana but I just don't think this is necessarily the song that it's going to do it for you know when you go experimental you can go everywhere and you can be
2: experimental on a lot of experimental flops and so just for some of these artists who have you know that's just got to be such a weird paradigm between probably what the label wants and Mm -hmm. what the artist wants maybe bigger than
5: ever before in the pop world but the good news is that memories are shorter these days I think you know, you, one flop single doesn't really set your career back the way it used to at least I don't I don't personally feel that way uh, so you know I think you, you can kind of uh, re- release songs here and there and then you can do what Selena did and you know release three songs spaced out over the couple like of three months each and maybe they're on an album and maybe they're not right. maybe the next album is completely different and she, she has the freedom to kind of reinvent herself the way she sees fit she's not tied to any of those singles as dictating the next 18 months of her rollout life so I I think that you know there's good and bad to come with this, and then there's there's things that pop stars I think are, you know there's there's advantages to these days for them, and there's disadvantages. So yeah, it's an interesting time. All right, well, one loose thread that we had teased a little bit back, uh, we should pick
2: back up. Is you mentioned, uh, Lord has something that Ariana Grande doesn't, Yes, sir. And if you are an Ariana Grande fan, you hate Andrew right now because for any number of reasons, but this one most recently, sure. Yeah, yeah, chiefly among those at this moment, the fact that yes, Ariana Grande has yet to touch uh, the top spot on the Hot 100. Uh, Nine top tens, so obviously been been in the mix for a while. But five top fives too, I think. Something you, like that. You bring it. You just bring in, oh, the, ni- it's bring it's in the, article, the knife. The bring in the yeah, knife. Bring uh, Five top. Five top fives, but not quite that number one. Um, so Andrew actually does an annual column, uh, looking at the question of who is the biggest pop star of the moment without a number one hit. And so there are uh, a good number of artists that he wrote down. Ariana Grande uh, also making the list. J Cole. Um, as we talked about a little earlier as well, uh, as people who are still looking for that first number one, uh, I guess let's go through the list really quick. Uh, Gary, if you want to read out, um, follow along on Billboard.com <laughs> yeah. if you right, um, so, Just some contenders uh, who have not touched that top spot.
1: Yeah, uh, after Ariana, uh, Andrew mentioned uh, someone who's uh, had one of those top five hits with Ariana, Nicki Minaj, which yeah. you, again, oh. I again think a lot of a lot of her uh, fans uh, that still kind of a bit of a sticking point that she's got to number two uh, with Anaconda.
5: Well, I think of the artist I read about on this list, Nikki's the one that's been pop-relevant for the longest. You know, I think her first top 100 hit was maybe you know, 2009, 2010 at the latest. Uh, so, I mean, she's, she's been in the mix for a very long time. She's gotten close. Almost a decade. Why, yeah, you wouldn't think it's been crazy? almost a decade. Yeah, 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 right. For some reason, it feels still feels like like 2015 or something, but yeah. And, and still scoring top 10 hits and still, still in that mix for that number one, possibly, hopefully, uh, at, at some point. But... Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, came close as recently you know, as early as 2011, and as recently as 2014, but but never quite got to that number one. Well, you know,
2: I mean, the, the sticking point now for a lot of people, a lot of watchers, is somebody else came along and went straight to number one over Nicki. I and heard so about that. Yeah. If uh, um, if you don't know, that's Cardi B, Bodak Yellow. So people think that Nicki, you know, especially maybe with this next album, has to bring it. I mean, it's something that. I guess, in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, no female rapper really kind of done it on her own in this era, and now for this newcomer to come up, I think people think that that
5: will go down as a huge mark against Nikki if she can't figure it out well I, I think you guys would probably support that uh, you know the game has changed in, in, in this matter since uh, Nikki first came out I mean if, if the rules were as they were in terms of streaming and in terms of you know Spotify sort of being the core of, of, of you know Spotify and, and other streaming service being the core of what makes up a lot of the half 100 these days you know Starships, Starships was a viral hit uh, Superbase certainly was a viral hit Anaconda was about as viral as they come uh, I think it's not unreasonable to suggest that had one of those songs come out in the last year and a half, two years, probably a different discussion right now, right? I mean, uh, you know, obviously Cardi was helped by by being, uh, you know, being at the the core of the streaming era, and 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 Bodek Yellow really took off there. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I mean, it's it, it's you have to kind of weigh different eras differently, sort of when when it comes to to rap singles. I think it's you know. If you want to take it to sports, there there's certain eras where no one no one in the league hits more than 35 home runs, and then there's other eras where you know people are hitting 60 left and right. right. Uh, so you you got to kind of you know, adjust for inflation there. Uh, and obviously now it's a lot easier for rap singles to hit number one on the Hot 100 than it used to be. And I, I think that uh, Nikki's longevity is is, is a Incredible, incredible sort of mark there, uh, and uh, the fact that she's you know she's still regularly scoring top ten hits almost a decade after her first is, is something that Cardi B can only hope to match in, in in several years time. And do you think Nicki Minaj has to hit number one as a lead? As in, do I think that she'll get dinged for it if it's only as a feature? Yes. Well, if you're comparing her to Cardi, then yeah, I think so, because Cardi did it entirely on her own. Not not only was she not a feature, but she didn't you know, she didn't have I mean, unless you want to count Kodak Black's kind of ghostly presence there as, as, a, as, as a as a as so sort of originator of, of the Bodak Yellow uh, hook and melody, then you could say he helped her there. But otherwise it's you know, it's it's just it's only her name on the on the chart listing. So for Nikki to, to get in as a guest, yeah, I mean that, that that that'll be a bit of an asterisk for her, what do you think? Uh I would I mean I would think so. Yeah. I mean I guess it'll, I guess well I say yes and then I kind of
2: think it back to depending on what song it is cuz I'm I'm a big advocate of the fan uh, I mean of the theory that you know there are certain songs that the featured artist makes makes or breaks. I mean, we've seen okay. so many you know Rihanna features that I bet you this song wouldn't be half as popular if Rihanna were not doing the hook. And so I think for Nicki, depending on what kind of song, I maybe mean, if it's a pop song and people feel like she you know sort of sold out and threw a verse mm-hmm. on, yeah. and not all the stations are playing the Nicki version, she sort of just you know kind of tags along. If it's the uh, like the Madonna "Give Me All Your Love" and sort of guest verse, yeah, I yeah. think people might say, um, okay, she just did it for the number one. Sure. But I mean, maybe if it's if it's the monster verse, yeah, and no, that makes that, its way, absolutely. people will say damn nicky is what got that song to number one so maybe it depends on the scenario
1: trevor you mentioned that uh, j cole before and uh, that's on your list uh, andrew too kind of uh, thinking just in terms of uh, rappers who've been uh, so huge uh, known for albums but mm-hmm. not necessarily singles and maybe he can become like uh, what kendrick did last year with humble uh, is, is j cole kind of waiting for that that humble song that's going to break him through to to mainstream audiences uh, with cole one specific song you don't
5: care th- about that yeah uh he hasn't really come close to anything like that yet, but you know, again, Kendrick uh, certainly had no big radio hits off of "To Pimp a Butterfly," even off of uh, the Good Kid, Mad City." He had hits, but not the kind of crossover that you would expect uh, from someone of his stature. And and certainly, "Humble" changed the entire game for him. There, uh, J. Cole seems to care less about kind of that, making that big moment, that big splash with his first single. You know, even even "Humble," at least was released uh, you know a couple of weeks I think ahead of, uh, of "Damn." Whereas, uh, you know, Cole made a couple of videos for this album, but they basically debuted along with the rest of it It seems like the, the, the focus for Cole is really on making that kind of full album statement And, uh, if, you know, if you have favorite songs from there, if you want to look at the video from there, then that's fine But uh, he won't kind of give you that lead time to, to sort of acclimate to a song being the song from the album before he hits you with the whole
1: thing Is ATM, does that sound like a potential breakout, even pop hit? I, I feel like it could yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock
5: me. I, I I will say, listening through the album the first couple times, it didn't really strike me as wow, like this is gonna be the song. But oh uh, well, yeah, I don't know if I'm sure you've seen in, in watching the Sixers Celtics games on uh, the NBA playoffs that uh, ABC and ESPN have started to use it for some of their uh, their pregame advertisements and uh, and you know I think it ha- yeah it has its own video and it, it seems to be the focus track from this album and obviously it's the, it's the highest debuting and uh, yeah I think it's a
1: jam. I was listening to it over the weekend. I was like, oh, this is this is better than I realized initially. Kudos to you, Andrew, for bringing up uh, the Celtics. This is after game one. A sore the subject, but you know, I do it for the podcast. Uh, we talked about uh, Selena before. I thought it was interesting that you put on your list 21 Pilots, mm-hmm. just because they now they've kind of been away for a little bit. They had a couple, uh, three uh, huge hits in 2016-17, but you're putting them uh, as uh, one of these acts that still could get that number one, maybe with their next album.
5: Yeah, I mean, you, you just don't know with 21 Pilots. They, they have been gone for you know, if you count it from the initial release of, uh, of Blurryface, the album with, with with two of those three hits on it, then that's almost three years at this point. Which in 2018 is a, is a pretty long time. Uh, now you you've seen other artists. Uh, I think you know there's not that much more time in between these albums. If if Twenty One Pilots were to release one this year, it'd be basically the same layover that Ed Sheeran had between his last two albums, about two and a half years, something like that. Clearly didn't affect Ed Sheeran when he came back. You know, of course, having Shape of few helps, but I think it will be sort of about what that first Twenty One pilot single, like how that lands, uh, and, and how the album does from there. I could see them saying, you know, we don't really care about these singles. We don't really care about pop life. We're just gonna, you know, kind of cater to our fan base and do what we want to do. And you know, maybe they're they never get this close again. But I could also see them coming up with their own shape of view and dominating the charts for, you know, a quarter of a year wouldn't, when nothing would shock me, really.
2: Do you think that, uh, I guess, do you think Twenty One Pilots has that same sort of problem that, um, you know, when, once you get this unexpected, massive pop smash, how
5: that changes the conversations about what the follow up needs to be, has to be, should be? Maybe, but I think that their their fans are just, are so in at this point. Like when I first heard Heathens, I didn't think, "Wow, we're going to be listening to this song for the rest of the year." I, d- I definitely didn't think that this was going to be a song that contended for number one. I thought it was a soundtrack single. It was, you know, the, kind of a one off in between albums, and you know, maybe it'll, you know, you know, alternative radio will play it. Maybe maybe pop will catch on a little bit. But I never would have expected it to be one of the biggest hits of the year.
1: I, I thought it was weird, but I thought it was really catchy.
5: It's it's minor key. It's it's right. it's, it's the rock most rock of their three big hits, I yeah. think, and. It's 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 a little weird energy. The lyrics are, are not immediately accessible. Uh, I think that if another band had come out with that song, you would never have expected it to be a crossover hit. Uh, so I think that, that their fan base is, is really just you know whatever whatever Twenty One Pilots want to give them at this point, the, the, the at least the evidence suggests that they'll they'll be one to accept. So uh, will they change it up for album two or you know not album two, but the you know their their, their second album as superstars?
1: We'll see. The other act that you mentioned, uh, sort of tied to them, that I think. Maybe in some ways is more positioned to maybe get that first number one, because they've already shown that sort of every single, they kind of change their sound. And maybe they've locked into uh, what their sound is going to be a little bit more going forward. Uh, Imagine Dragons kind of sure. seems like now they're uh, every single you're going to get is sort of this mix of, of rock. But these, these big choruses, some some hip hop elements, uh, they're, they're kind of throwing everything in there and it's working. Uh, feels like they're kind of on that trajectory where they keep uh, working on this on this recipe. It might lead to a number one.
5: Yeah, I mean, those guys know what they're doing. Uh, 21 Pilots do, too, but in a different sort of way. I, I feel like whereas 21, 21 Pilots kind of let their fan base come to them and then radio come to them, uh, Imagine Dragons are just very attuned to what's going on. They, they know what 2018 radio sounds like. They know how important streaming is. They know how important syncs are and advertisements. They, they, they know how to play the game. And they write really good songs. Uh, and they write songs that aren't... That well, you know, they're rock in nature. They're not dependent on rock conventions instrumentally. Uh, they, they're they're not tied to rock history. That they're willing to kind of go forth into to the rock future, which is a little bit you know less. You know, it's a little bit less instrumental, and in, in terms of like conventional, you know, rock guitar-based drum breakdowns, they're willing to kind of experiment with pop choruses and pop producers. Uh, they have hip hop beats, they have kind of electronic soundscapes. They, they, so they know what it takes. I and mean, no, no pun intended. Uh, they, they know what it takes to have a hit in, in you know pretty much whatever year they're in, and and. They have a pretty devoted fan base too, and they play arenas, and they're they're about as reliable a presence on top forty now as as, as you have, which is pretty strange for a rock band, uh, especially one whose last album was 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 not a huge hit. And the, right. one, the one before Evolve, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, was you know pretty pretty marginal in terms of top forty. But, uh, you know, the course corrected. And I, I think you'd be foolish to underestimate them at
1: this point. Yeah. And they came out with It's Time sort of seemed like, oh, they're almost kind of a jangly rush. Sure. And then they went kind of that folky direction with uh, I Bet My Life. And now it seems like uh, they've they figured out uh, Radioactive is the big hit. And then uh, Believer and Thunder seem to be in that mold. So they were just going to keep getting more of that.
5: Yeah, I mean, uh, th- three top five Hot 100 hits. And uh, does
1: the rest of the rock genre have three combined over the same time span? Dude. It's probably pretty close. Dude, the, the Hot Rock Songs chart has become uh, the Imagine Dragons. There you go. To what Drake is to the Hot 100, Imagine Dragons. Uh, but best rock
5: you know they they put in the work. They you know they, they, are are they really this much better and this much more popular than every other rock band out right now? Probably not. But uh, they know what it takes, and 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 they're willing to they're willing to kind of meet the pop game halfway. And that's that's not something a lot of rock bands are ambitious enough to do these days.
0: to get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, a couple other
1: acts I just want to mention in the story. One of them I think is is sort of more on par with Ariana Grande, because it just coming from a pure pop angle. Sean Mendes hasn't had a number one yet.
5: Yeah, I mean uh Sean. Yeah, I, I think that a, a, a lot of people maybe they didn't view him as a one hit wonder necessarily, but they thought he was kind of, you know, he's a viral sensation. He comes from the YouTube world. Uh, when, when I think when Stitches broke big, people were maybe, a, you know, a little bit taken aback, but I, I don't think that they would have seen him being able to maintain the kind of success that he has, uh, where it's really just kind of single after single, you know, not everything goes top 10, but everything goes top 20, and he's on every award show. And, it just seems like he's a guy who everybody likes. You know, uh, we 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 had him in the office a little while ago, and he played some some songs off his new album, and he was unbelievably charming, and and, and composed for his age, and the songs were really good. And I, I think he's the same kind of guy. Uh, you know, he's, he's another sort of guy that you just don't wanna, you just don't wanna underestimate because he he clearly knows what he's doing, and he clearly has the right people behind him, and and he's he's making the right connections, and he's pushing all the right buttons, and and. You know the 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 newer single in my blood hasn't quite taken off maybe the the, the same way as uh, there's nothing holding me back or uh, treat you better from the last couple albums, uh, but uh, again he he, he he understands the kind of, of of rock song that that doesn't sound out of place on top 40s days, uh, and he has a lot of really really devoted fans and he knows how to cater to them and I, I wouldn't even if this song doesn't necessarily be the one to put him over the top I, I
1: wouldn't underestimate him and singles to come. Uh, the other act that I think, in some ways, is kind of interesting that you put on this list, and in some ways, not. Uh, Florida Georgia Line. You
5: know, six months ago, I would never have considered Florida Georgia Line for this piece. I mean, they're they constant presence on the country charts. They always sell well. They're always on award shows, but they hadn't had a, a proper kind of four quadrant crossover hit since Cruise, and that was in two thousand and thirteen. And it came with a with a Nelly guest verse uh, that that kind of kind of put it in that 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 upper echelon. Uh, but here we are with uh, them having you know the number two song in the country for a number of weeks. Uh, Me- Meant to be the BB Rexa collaboration, uh, a couple of you know volume shooters in their respective genres. Uh, Florida Georgia Line, you know, they never met a collaboration they didn't like, and certainly you could say the same about BB Rexa. Uh, and so you know you don't really know what to expect when two of those sort of artists get together, but clearly uh, they, they they found the chemistry there, and they, and they found enough common elements that they had a song that really really connected. And uh, you know, do I think that Florida Georgia Line will? make number 1 on their own with with kind of a, a a traditional song for their country base? probably not because as we've seen in the last couple of years country songs don't tend to 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 challenge for that high of Maha 100 you know due to due to country not streaming as well and a couple other factors but uh you know, would would you be shocked if they had a song with Drake on their, on
1: his next album? Or you well, know, they've if, already worked with Nelly, yeah, so like
5: uh, or even you know they've joined forces with Sam Hunt or, or so, something like that. Is it clearly they, they've shown the willingness to go outside of their comfort zone? And uh, if if they had a number one song in the next couple of years, it would not be all that surprising. I don't think. So the ten
2: acts we've got on this list, uh, we went through most of them. Uh, Zed Future, also in that mix. Um, a few other wild cards. Gary, Gary came up with a few ideas here. Uh, he's thinking maybe Sam Smith could be a surprise given how Uh, oh I'm sorry go on oh oh, well we'll, no go ahead we'll we'll talk about Sam you think it's a what I I think Sam Smith's
1: trending
5: in the wrong direction trending in the
1: wrong
5: direction I
1: I I, I mean that huge hit he just had was it as big as the biggest hit from his album before that I think it was a Bigger hit than people might have expected because it was so against the grain of what pop music is right now for a, a, a song that's so adult oriented like that. For that to have been in the top 10 for so many weeks, I that's what surprised me that it really did cut through. It's a big
5: hit, but it's the only one that album's coming up with so far. And it, that album's been out for a minute. And, you know, it, it, I think that. You know, we we all kind of you know we we all kind of compared him to Adele uh, when when the new album came out. And we wondered if he would be. Able oh, to... did we? <laughs> well, some of us did certainly, uh, and there's comparisons to be made there. Uh, and I don't think any of us thought that he was going to put up quite Adele like numbers, but we wondered. All right, so this is a, this is kind of an old school sort of singer, and he, he clearly has a, like a very wide appeal, and uh, in, you know, in terms of both demographics and age range. So would he be able to come up with the kind of song that would have a, a sort of hello-like effect And that, you know, obviously it's not what uh, what radio, you know, it's not radio's bread and butter in 2018, but it's sort of such an undeniable, you know, massive crossover ballad that it ends up dominating the culture anyway. Not, I mean, although uh, Too Good a Goodbyes was a big hit, I don't think you would say it was a, a, on the caliber of a hello. It, it wasn't quite on that level, I don't think.
1: Uh, no, and- that was just Total pop culture. Everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Nothing's going to pretty much match that.
5: And the uh, the first week sales were were good, but they weren't extraordinary.
1: It was and its longevity that that did. I think we expected it to kind of have that that first bump and then and then slide off, and it just it really stayed through. Maybe end of the year, ballads tend to do a little bit better in the winter. I'm not sure. Yeah, no.
5: I, I mean, again, I'm not trying to shortchange what Sam Smith accomplished on this album. He certainly you know had success with it, and he had a big hit off of it, but. It, it does feel like a sag in momentum from the last one, and it also kind of worries me that that, like the Adele album, it sort of felt like the album before it, but maybe not quite as potent, not quite as, uh, you know, not quite as game changing. Certainly, uh, so I, I think that for Sam Smith to to be in the consideration for number one in the future, he's going to have to change things up a little bit, and uh, I don't. He hasn't. He hasn't yet shown the willingness to do that. But you know he he he, he kind of came up in through the dance world, uh, you know with the songs for Disclosure and Naughty Boy. I think that if he kind of dips back into that territory, there might be more potential for him there. Right. But as a balladeer and kind of uh, you know a, a straight faced singer of these very dramatic love songs and breakup songs, I think that the uh, you know the, the 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 pie is getting smaller for him, and I don't think that uh, yeah I, I don't think that he's one of the odds on favorites of, of
1: of these types of artists to to really break through there. Did you consider oh your process was like you're an artist? What what is your process? <laughs> did, did you consider putting uh, Alessia Cara on this list? I
5: didn't really consider her, but yeah, she's 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 on the bubble. Certainly, I'd, I'd say she has better odds than Sam Smith. She's her, her career is is on the ascent. Certainly, uh, so yeah, all, all, all the best of luck to, to Alessia. Oh, big, I mean, big album coming up. It feels like after that best new artist win, For sure. kind of got to
2: defend that territory
1: and uh, the other accent I'm just going to bring up I'll just, I'll just throw it yeah, out there for, uh, for people uh, for the fans uh, sort of like your podcast Andrew <laughs> uh, uh, well, around, fan, ba- we buried this deep uh, in there but if the fans are there like coming around again which may come around again at some point in your podcast so, you know, he, who can predict the future Gary uh, One Direction and Fifth Harmony haven't had number ones they're on hiatus if they came back I, with the right song you have to think at least the anticipation if nothing else would be there
5: Take, take the right song out of it. Well, if if they, they, if they, they, they came back without the wrong song, I guess, would be the idea there. If they came back with with the song that that was close to their their their, their kind of average potential for for, for a hit single, maybe. Uh, again, I, musically, at least for One Direction, things are sort of trending away from their kind of like you know power pop sort of sound. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if, if if the fan base is still there in five years, it, it's possible. Uh, Fifth Harmony, I, I think, is is a little bit less likely. I think they're at the end of the day, they're still a little bit more niche than
1: than, than One Direction were. All right, let's uh, let's have some good news for fans who uh, really want Ariana to get that first number one. Uh, some major stars this decade who've taken some time uh, to get that first number one. So uh, Taylor Swift about six years from her uh, chart debut and granted uh, country to pop. But even before uh, officially her, her, her all-out segue to pop, sure. we are never uh, ever getting together. Number one in 2012, uh, Justin Bieber. Oh, well, don't,
2: well, don't forget, I mean, when, when some of these artists hit number one, it's not just a one-time thing. I mean, now we've seen Taylor with five number ones in sure. her name. So, yeah. you know, once you make that breakthrough, it seems like it maybe it gets a little easier.
1: Good segue uh, to Bieber because he waited six years too and then three straight number ones for him. And
2: also, what, five
1: now officially all together? Right. Yep. Uh, Ed Sheeran, about four years, uh, which is uh, where Ariana is right now, 2013 uh, till about now. Uh, Drake, it took about uh, seven years as a lead artist. He got that uh, first uh, number one on What's My Name, but it feels like uh, now almost a decade in, he's kind of at his biggest career point ever.
5: Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's what's made this current moment so, I don't know, surprising, but it's jarring to those of us who remember what a struggle it was for him to break through with that first number one and, you know, Hotline Bling, and he got to number two.
1: And now it feels like he's going to be number one for the rest of our lives, which is, is pretty crazy to think about. Yeah, Miley Cyrus, uh, sort of similar with the kind of the same upbringing mm-hmm. uh, in terms of pop culture. Uh, she took about seven years. And uh, if you're really going to uh, play the long game, uh, Aerosmith took 25 years until wow. their first number one. So Ariana, she could even take. So uh, she's still
5: uh, got 20 more years. Yeah. 20, 21 <laughs> more years in her. Well, what's interesting to me, you, you reading over that list right now, is how many of those artists did get to number two. Before they got to number one, you know, uh, Taylor Swift got to number two with "You Belong with Me." Justin Bieber, I think, with "Boyfriend." Uh, Drake, we just said with "Hotline Bling." Uh, Shearing, thinking out uh, loud, it, sure. And then and Ariana as well. You know, if she gets to number one someday, then she'll she'll have had that stop along the path as well right. with, with "Problem." So yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it's like you know, going back to sports. Sometimes you got to lose in the finals before you can you can taste that that championship glory. And uh, it, it seems like the same is true with a lot of these pop stars. Two
1: thousand three Red Sox. That's what led to two thousand four. Yeah. Good. I see Philly and Boston fans.
5: <laughs> We're coming on together on, on the V podcast.
4: Back to folk.
0: Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. It has been 86 years. Generations have come and gone. And for the first time since 1918, the Boston Red Sox. Our champions of
1: baseball. Uh, If you go way back, uh, 70s, Bruce Springsteen and Bob Dylan, they both uh, hit number two as artists, although they've had number ones as writers. So a little consolation there. Uh, James Brown, number three, was his biggest hit. Uh, If you go to the 90s, InSync did get to number one. Backstreet Boys got to number two, if that's, Never been played up, yeah. Uh, surprisingly
5: few, uh, number ones of that entire TRL era. It's 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 in got one, and Britney got one, and Christina got a couple, but uh, yeah, no, no backstreet boys and none no of those other boy bands. All you know, they all came close 90 degrees, uh, LFO, O Town. I think all, all the top five hits there, but no number ones. Well, shout out to O Town, yeah. Well, first, first it mention, was boy band of... a week, uh, just a week ago,
2: yeah. so I'm
1: still still in that mindset a little bit. Yeah, love, sure.
5: you. love you, Jesse.
1: Uh, Journey uh, got to number two with Open Arms. In the 90s, people might think, especially with the album success, uh, both Hootie and the Blowfish and Alanis Morissette kind of owned the the 90s, the pop rock side. Uh, Hootie got to number six with Only Want to Be With You. Alanis got to number four with Ironic. And and the entire
5: uh, the entire grunge era there too. Uh, Nirvana I think peaked at number six with Smells Like Teen Spirit. Pearl Jam got got randomly close in the very late '90s with the Last Kiss and that was number two. But uh, yeah, none none of those bands that you really associate with that moment where you know the '90s kind of the alternative became the mainstream didn't become that much the mainstream because none of those bands really ever got to number one on the the Hot 100. Nah, those babyface ballads were still
2: locking it down.
1: Well, uh, no, no shame in getting beaten by the best, certainly. It's uh, it's not the be all and end all. Obviously there are, are huge artists who've never had a number one, but it's it's certainly a nice uh, feather uh, you want you want to have. Uh, there, there have been 1,072 number ones all time in the Hot 100 history. Uh, do you guys know how many artists have hit number one?
2: Uh, I'll say 450. You think that many people have doubled up? Wow. I'll say uh, 565.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what I would have guessed, but I, I did look up the number. Uh, all right, Trevor, you were closer, six ninety seven. Oh wow, okay. Mm. You're both mm. pretty pretty close. And, uh, that's ding, a ding, 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 ding on Bob Barker. I'm <laughs> going up on the Price is Right.
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's why it's your podcast, and I'm just the I'm just uh, the featured appearance. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see if Ariana can be six ninety seven. Yeah, and best of luck to her. I uh, hope if she doesn't do with this song. She does it soon. Well, thanks to our featured appearance
2: uh, by Andrew Unterberger, Billboard's uh, senior editor. What yeah, senior editor.
5: I'm gonna go with that
2: we can we can go with a lot of i mean we billboards lord and savior like <laughs> yeah.
1: So uh, wrapping up the podcast, uh, you know, we always do a flashback. You always pick a song, Trevor. In this case, uh, went even deeper. I found someone. Uh, do the work for us. We're going to uh, go back to the 70s. So uh, Bill Danoff, mentioned at the beginning of the show, he uh, wrote a couple of huge hits in the 70s that I feel like just uh, become uh, just so much a part of, of Americana. Take Me Home Country Roads by John Denver in 1971 and... Uh, Afternoon Delight by Starland Vocal Band. That was his band uh, in uh, 1976. So uh, here's what happened recently. Uh, My father is a huge John Denver fan, and we found out that there was a John Denver tribute concert happening in Maryland, and John Denver died, so you're never going to see John Denver in concert. They figured maybe this was as close as we can ever get. Was it worth driving six hours to see a John Denver tribute concert? Me, my father, and my brother? Of course it was. So we did that. dedicate I mean you wouldn't the, do that for a John Denver the tribute trust, tribute concert? I
2: would no I wouldn't drive six minutes to see a John Denver concert but uh shout out to the trust for being dedicated well look okay because every, everyone's kind of looking at me I guess I, I'll say I don't know John Denver's catalog very well so maybe I do love him and I just don't know it All right I mean, Matt, I'll Matt, I'll you're, you're it even younger
1: than Trevor you you know John Denver
3: music I do know John Denver and I really appreciate his music
2: here's what I'll do I'll listen to there's gotta be a greatest hits or 12 out there I'll check it out and
1: next week I'll let you guys know what I think next time we get out to Maryland can rent a little van save a couple seats for you guys
3: I'm definitely in on that
1: tentative
3: at least every road trip I've been on I think I've always played the song
2: did you drive through West Virginia I guess not I
3: always I do the song
2: yeah you have driven through
3: road yeah
1: You've driven through West Virginia listening to that song.
3: Oh yeah, absolutely.
2: It's probably it probably should be banned on like West Virginia radio because I'm sure like
3: they've heard it so many yeah. times.
1: All right, so uh, we drove down. Yeah, we did this uh, whole uh, fun road trip. hadn't you know done a done a trip like that the the three of us uh, in a long time. So that was kind of cool. Uh, the show was at a converted train station. Trains were still going by, so it was kind of a cool atmosphere. We stayed in a little uh, bed and breakfast. It was really, uh, just a real small town. Really there were jacuzzis in each room if you want to put that image in your head
2: and if you actually want to put that image on your screen uh go to gary's instagram
1: uh so uh, the two singers uh, at the show uh, bill danoff and sean mcgee was uh, the other singer sean sounds just like john denver so it really was kind of cool it it was close you're going to get to to hearing what what he sounds like Uh, here's a clip actually in doing any song Song, But he did uh, co-write John Denver's debut number two Hot 100 hit from 1971, Take Me Home, Country Roads. So my father, huge John Denver fan, just for for years, uh, he's always, you know, why can't you talk about John Denver uh, on the podcast? Why can't you write about John Denver? So uh, we're going to talk all about John Denver. In fact, I had my father interview Bill Danoff, the writer of this song. So we went to the show they interviewed uh, talked about uh, his whole uh, history of uh, writing that song Where Take Me Home Country Roads came from how kind of interesting how it became a big pop hit but it wasn't a big country hit at all. Country kind of didn't know what to do with John Denver at the time. His new folk singer didn't, didn't really fit. So uh, that's kind of interesting. I'll talk about that. Uh, it's actually uh, John Denver added the bridge to Take Me Home Country Roads. That's how uh, his contribution to the writing of that came about. And the song came back in 2016 as a number one country hit, finally, thanks to the All-Star Forever Country remake. So, uh, yeah, it just shows uh, the longevity. So uh figured, uh, why should I do all the work with like my father? do some of the work so Richard Trust uh, making his podcast debut here on the Billboard Sharpie podcast so uh, we'll we'll close with with this interview some clips kind of cool always to hear from the people who have written some of these songs that have just uh, become a part of your life you you don't even really think about a time when they didn't exist
2: all right so uh, so before we dive into that uh, we'll see you next week uh, two things, if you're a Post Malone fan, be sure to check in with the podcast. We'll be talking all about his debut, um, this very likely streaming record, and all the songs
1: that will spill over into the Hot 100. And remember, uh, call us. Uh, we want you to be on the podcast with us, 212-493-4021. It's our hotline. We want to hear from you. We want to put you on the podcast answer your chart questions. So uh, please uh, call us and uh, leave us a good uh, comment or question, uh, 212-493-4021. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, just by the way, uh, if your father ever wants to be on the podcast, who would he interview? Wouldn't it be a John Denver uh, writer. Who would it be? Uh,
2: uh, I, well, I would say a Prince writer because my fans, my dad's a huge fan of Prince. But of course, Prince, the Prince writer is Prince. He's Prince. And without further ado, to talk about "Take Me Home, Country Roads." Take us home, Gary's dad. <laughs>
3: From an, in, in Western Mass,
4: Springfield, Massachusetts. Okay,
3: uh, when uh, "Take Me Home, Country Roads" was being written, uh, did, uh, was it first said Massachusetts no. instead of West Virginia?
4: No, it didn't say anything. Just said country roads, country roads, country roads, country roads, country roads, and then I, in my head, you know, mm-hmm. and I was trying to fill out the spaces, and then I got to the uh, where I needed that. Oh. The, the words just kind of grew little by little. Then you find you need one here or there, and so uh, I needed that three-syllable word. And I, um, I toyed with Massachusetts, but I didn't really, I didn't like it as a word, as a singing word. Okay. And it, and it's funny because a couple of weeks later, the B G S. The B G S came out with a song <laughs> Massachusetts. Right. Which yeah, <laughs> I like the Bee Gees but it wasn't, it's, it wasn't to me sound-wise not a great word. And like I said in anyway, there, I like the word Shenandoah. I like those words, Virginia, Shenandoah, Blue Ridge. What images? Just what, don't even need a song. Better Just than, say those words, and it, it sounds fun, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. Better than the Berkshires. Yeah. Okay. Well, now with the Berkshires was where I'd. I still go up there every year.
3: So it, it was never Massachusetts. Was never part of the song.
4: It was never, no, never part of the song. Okay. But it was where. When I. First came to to Georgetown University, and we went on some sort of a weekend uh, retreat or something. Went out in Maryland, took a bus, and I didn't know anything about... I'd never been out of Massachusetts at all except for a trip to New York, or a trip to Detroit. And, just, and that was new to every place, so every place was fascinating to me. So when I, we were driving around Maryland, and uh, I was thinking, this looks a lot like home, this whole... Country thing. The only thing was, it's bigger at home. Everything, New England, everything's more condensed. Yeah. There's a field and there's a thing. When it's smaller here, there's a field that's like 200 more acres than <laughs> it is back home. You know. Yeah. It's just more spread out. But it was the same kind of stuff. So when I was down here for, um, we were going as time went on. We had one year, in 1969, I think, where I did a lot of road trips. And the the interstate highway system had really not been finished. There was Jersey Turnpike was there. There were some stretches here and there, even up in Massachusetts and Springfield. We'd have a two-mile stretch of Interstate 91, and then it would be roads. And that you know, so it was still that kind of time. You you couldn't take an interstate or a place. So if, remember, I just was fascinated by the the countryside. The, the barns with mailhouse tobacco on the sides—I never saw stuff like that. You know, stuff I had only seen in pictures. Mm-hmm. Was it was you know, when we were kids? We had those ViewMasters. Oh yeah. You look in a ViewMaster; yeah. it was three D pictures. Mm-hmm. Well, this was when I—I I guess it was my my youth and uh, what other enhancements of the age were uh, it made life more interesting. But I suddenly become a real nature fan and I, I couldn't get enough of it. So that's where all that Country Road stuff came from. How did you know John Denver? I was a student at Georgetown University from 64 to 68. And while I was there, I worked at a club down the street called The Cellar Door, right, I've been there, which right. had the, we were one of the top folk clubs in the country. Uh, the Bitter End in New York, the Troubadour in Los Angeles, the Main Point, in Philadelphia. Uh, where did they all play in uh, Chicago? I forgot, Steve Goodman and uh, oh. Mr. De- the Earl of Old Town, that was Steve Goodman and John Prine. Those guys all come out of that. So we were part of that circuit. And John came through with the act, uh, the Mitchell Trio. Mm-hmm. It used to be the Chad Mitchell Trio, now that he replaced Chad. Right. So I knew him then as the lights and sound man. And at the cellar door was the kind of atmosphere. It was the students, kind of, were the operators, uh, the staff, and everything. So after the customers left, we'd pull the the curtain and close the door, and the the acts would hang out in the. We all got close, the the waiters and the artists and stuff. I mean, like uh, became friends with Richie Havens, people that you wouldn't normally, though, you don't interact with the club people like that, you know. But in the cellar door, you did. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Knew John through that. He was very popular around there. He had a barbecue. He had people come over. It was. A, he had a lot of friends there, so it was kind of a social thing that I was involved in through the work thing. So
3: uh, when Rocky Mountain High was written by, by John, uh, the uh, that song, uh, that that line about uh, um, on the road hanging by a song, that was referring to. Take Me Home, Country
4: Roads. Probably. Yeah. I wasn't... Uh, you know, he had... Uh, we sang... After we did the original Country Roads, we sang on several background on John's... Those early songs. I think we are on Poems, Prayers, and Promises. And some of that, uh, so that later on, when we went out to do shows with him, we could do like half a dozen songs together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember him sending me a tape for Rocky Mountain High and asking us to sing, and I, I didn't hear... I couldn't hear any background... I couldn't hear any parts, you know. So John was like, "You don't want to sing on this song." I said, "I don't know, John. I don't know what to sing." So he went back and he just overdubbed himself a hundred times. We did, yeah. And that's the. It was a better track than having the. You know, it was. It made it more powerful. So, th- more voices isn't always. The, you know. Uh, he could have got anybody to sing on it, but it's just I didn't. I didn't think it was right, and I think I was right.
3: What other songs did you write, either by yourself or with John? Uh, that John made famous. Well,
4: he had hits. Would rather be
3: in Colorado.
4: Gotta be in Colorado. He had, Colorado. He had uh, country hits with late night radio. Baby, you look good to me tonight. Friends with you was a hit around the world, but not in the states really. Mm. Minor hit in the states. Please, Daddy, don't get drunk this Christmas. Oh, that yeah. That's still making money. That's yeah. Around the world. That was an odd one. I wrote it as kind of a spoof. Mm-hmm. Please, Daddy, don't get drunk. We are making fun of it. Well. It turns out when we would do it, people—some people think it's funny, some people just hit a wrong chord there, you know. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting, and uh, Alan Jackson did a great version of it. He did like a honky, to- like I thought of it—a honky-tonk Christmas, yeah. piano going and a steel guitar, and like just like I th- heard it. And, uh, anyway, John did it, and uh, I got a thing from New Zealand one time. They wanted a, somebody wanted to cut it, but they wanted to take out all the references to alcohol. <laughs> Why don't you just write your own damn song? <laughs> that's the whole point of the song. What <laughs> <Put> an <in> eggnog. <laughs> Please daddy, don't, don't get buy me a you know, a toy that I don't like. What what are you gonna do with it, you know? It's so uh, I don't know, people are crazy. Lots of milk. Yeah. I didn't um, give him permission to no, change the that,
3: that's lyric. Good. Um you surprised that, that John took off the way he did? I mean he. he
4: He was the biggest selling artist, I believe. I wasn't as surprised as he was. In 1990-something, we got an award for um, ASCAP for one of the ten most performed country songs of the 20th century for Country Roads. And that's a pretty impressive award. looks great. But I'm thinking about it, and part of that was the international success. That started with things like Country Roads. Mm-hmm. Country music was a, was a small little market. Then, with records like Country Roads and then some of those Bobby Russell, Honey and Little Green Apples. Oh yeah, records that would have just been on the country charts went on the pop charts. The music went international, mm-hmm. and that changed the whole ball game.
3: He was uh, not easy to uh, pigeonhole. He was country.
4: He was folk. He was pop. Well, because it was all new that stuff didn't exist right I was talking to Paul Prespino, who's been there from the beginning you know mm-hmm. and played with the Mr. Trio and where, so, you know when Columbia when we were starting in this business, Columbia Records uh, was the big company, Mitch Miller was the owner ran Columbia Records yeah and come and sing along with Mitch and he had artists like Bob Dylan and you know he didn't know what to God bless him, you know, but he didn't know what to do with those acts nobody knew what to do with the new. People, mm-hmm. uh, country on uh, country music didn't play John Denver. You know they didn't. Uh, matter of fact, there's a famous thing when John became country artist of the year. The uh, one of those assholes, Charlie Rich or somebody, burned the when he had to announce it was John Denver oh, won the yeah. award. He burned the the it, thing. Yeah, uh, the announcement. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so they it, it, they weren't kind to us. You he, know, he was not accepted. Yeah, and he yeah. wasn't accepted anyway. It was not a, it was we were kind of a. Well, Willie Nelson, those guys, they were the outlaws. We were the, we were before them, we were the, they didn't know what to do with us. <laughs> yeah.
3: Almost heaven, West Virginia, to the Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah
0: River.
4: Is a what about Forever Country now? The, uh... Oh, that 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 tore me apart. And when I first of all I, I heard about it, and I thought, well, that's kind of cool—a new cover of Country Roads. And then when I saw it, it just the video with Brad Paisley, who's from West Virginia,
3: mm-hmm.
4: singing my song. Yeah, it was beautiful. Really? Yeah. And all those artists, I thought it was incredible. And when I was listening to it, of course, it's mostly. Country roads, which, and it's everybody that's beautiful singing country roads, and then when it goes to where we would do the bridge, and uh, I think it was Rascal Flats does uh, on the road again. That's oh, yeah. such a beautiful lift, man. That that just blew me away. It was yeah. like, oh, I mean, it was cool. Yeah. I mean, my song instead of going where it's where I would have it go, I went to that, and I'm thinking, oh, that's that's cooler. Did you get royalties from it? Yes, thank thank you. Yeah. Country roads in about three movies last year. Afternoon, the light keeps showing up in movies, and uh, afternoon, the light keeps being in something. I rewatched Goodwill Hunting the other night for oh. some other reason, but there's Afternoon, Delight Light and Goodwill Hunting. Oh, that's a great movie. Yes, yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. fun. Yeah, the country roads keeps showing up, man. It's, it never would have imagined. Never. I've always wanted to, and maybe I still will. Uh, people over the years, of course, send me the stories and things and your friends and relatives. and You can't believe the stories. that uh, During the Vietnam War, it was a huge song. Anything that said, take me home, was huge. The animals, we got to get out of this place, country oh, yeah. roads, there was a couple other ones. But uh, it's so many stories from so many different, different parts of the world, the Papua New Guinea, you know. An old buddy of mine says, oh, he's with the Japanese embassy, and he says, Oh, well, I took my kids to Thailand for a vacation. We were on elephants in the jungle. And we were going by some bamboo house in the in a in a tree and there was country roads coming out of a transistor radio. <laughs> That's fantastic. And he said, I told my kids that was my college room. <laughs> <laughs> I mean you can't get away from it, you know. So it's 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 bizarre, frankly, it's bizarre. It's lovely. It's you can't you couldn't be more grateful. I hear a voice in the morning all will you.